This week, we're back again with Veronica Miller, philosopher and teacher, to talk more about the financing of public schools, asking exactly what objective truth is, and what you can prove through science. Veronica describes her future goal of making philosophy attainable and understandable for everyone, as she and our head writer, Josephine Bush, explore philosophy in this exciting episode of Substances. NPR story it had to have been like this summer probably but about like funds in Oklahoma okay and it was just like how the funding goes to like certain they, it was going it was through an oil it was going towards books okay about oil companies oh interesting because so much of what was happening at that oh. point was subsidizing oil and so it was like okay. saying like literally it was a cartoon book with mm-hmm. the animations and like saying like the oil rigs are great people and then like the evil people would be like taking any of this out and wow. clearly full full money obviously coming from right. this place and that is something I guess in, in the US I never really think about like oh everything has it still has the propaganda. It still has something that it's monetized. You. It's monetizing everything, and I think a lot of times you just like want to believe it's not. But we're right. still so many kids are still sold these these storylines yeah. and these narratives that they latch onto and they end up Absolutely. believing. Yeah. Because you're told at that young, if you're yeah. if you're spoon fed information like that, obviously that's going to create your whole world. How, yeah, your whole world. Yeah. How you think about everything. Absolutely. No, no I 100 agree. Yeah, yeah, it's so scary to see because. Oh, basically, so the idea that, like, who you are, so your identity is not, uh, like, so it is a part, integral part of who you are, right. but it's not, like, a tangible part of who you are. So it's like glasses. It's the lens through which you see the world. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so everyone has different glasses, um, and some people are, like, horses with blinders on. Like, I honestly would walk up and down my classroom in front of these, like, 20-year-olds, and I'd walk like a horse with blinders on, you know? And it's, like, you have to, like... Get them to see that, like, cracking open your brain like a walnut is not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to be going against the grain. Yeah, you're going to be saying things that people don't agree with. Yeah, you're going to be saying some things that are pretty weird. Yeah. But you know what? That's the only way change happens. That's the only way you actually, I think, make it to the top of the hierarchy pyramid. Like, that's the only way to self-actualize if you give a breath, if you give space to who you truly are. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't want to sound all, like, breathy. Oh, you have to speak your truth. You know, because, like, you do, but you actually do have to speak truth. But truth in a philosophical sense. Like... Truth is in like something that is actually bottom line, something that you value, right? Yeah. So like, so my favorite question to ask people is, do you um, believe in objective truth? Okay. Right. So it, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question on many levels, but one, so like objective truth is the idea that there is something objectively true apart from yourself. So like, do I ever see the world as it truly is? Absolutely not. No, I am a human. I am flawed. I, you know, wear glasses. Obviously, you know, sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I don't pay attention. I choose not to listen. All of these things. And so it's like you can, you can identify a lot of about a person, I think, whenever they talk about whether or not they believe in objective truth. Because um, I personally do believe that there is an objective truth, but I don't think that humans will ever have any access to it. Right? Interesting. So okay. that's the idea of like the tentative purchase. Yeah. Is it's like we can try, we can try, we can try, but then at yep. some point you get to the end of your knowledge and you just have to jump. And then yep. you have to like have this type of belief that however the world works, there's going to be something there on the other side. So take a look at where's something? This table. So this table is very, very red. Yes. Yes. And so like to me, it looks a little orangey, a little dark red. 
Um, but to you, this shade is not the same. Absolutely. So you, we both look at this. We say we're seeing the color red. Yeah. But we're just we're we're just approximating. Yeah. We're actually not seeing the same color red. Yeah. But we have to use language. We have to say that there is an objective truth that we can both buy into. Yeah, you have to find commonalities exactly. to agree. Exactly. And the world is based on that. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's like one of the craziest things to think of is because I think humans, one of our fatal flaws is like we like to be very precise. Mm-hmm. We like to be able to th- say this is a category, this is a line, this is where things fit. Mm-hmm. Whether or not those lines are true, they're going to be different for everyone, that's a different conversation. True. See? There we go yeah. again. Right? Um, but whether those lines are accurate, let's say that, whether yeah. those lines are accurate, um, we like to draw them. Yes? Yep. And so I think it's very, very funny that the thing that humans like to do the most is never be accurate. Yeah. Right? You will never be able to say that we see the exact same color of red. Yeah. You will never be able to say that this is the exact same moment that we both remember because we're both going to remember it differently. Yeah. And so one of, and so that's why I ask people, do you believe in objective truth? Because either people say, oh no, I don't believe in objective truth. I think everything is subjective. So then it's yeah. like, oh, well you're, you're running away from the question because yeah. my, my question is not, do you think that everyone sees the world differently? You are then obviously bringing your own exactly into that itself. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, it's just fascinating to me because like some people think that there is objective truth and we can have access to it. Uh, no offense, but the scientists do believe that as often and I think that they come very very close you know like I think science is one of the closest ways we can come to knowing something about the world but then there's also something to be said for knowing things about the world that aren't proved by science right so like you can't prove emotions by science like you can't have it's like sometimes you know you have these ideas of what's going to happen I don't want to say premonitions but like sometimes you just know you know like people can tell the weather like maybe you can tell that by science but like you know my grandfather would be like oh my knee's aching like Yep, yep, it's going to rain. And it's like, he's always right. That's not scientific at all. Like, he literally would, like, pound on his knee and say, it's going to rain. You know? And so it's just, like, this feeling I think that people have from being in touch with who they are and being in touch with the world. Like, I think it gives them, like, an access to a different realm of being. Mm -hmm. Right? And so that's Santayana saying, not mine, um, in that it's an immaterial realm of existence that we can have access to, but not a direct, like, finger-to-finger connection. I, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I love it. I, okay, I'm just it. taking it all in. Oh, wow. Super, <laughs> it's interesting. So now, this is probably one of the yeah. first times that I've ever tried to, like, take all my philosophical theories and put them all together, like, string them in a line. Yes. <laughs> I love it. But I, I do think they're actually really connected, and, and I do. I mean, they are. They obviously, like, go in and out. They weave in and out of everything, and I think Hopefully. the way you... Yeah. Yeah? Oh, good. Yeah. 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 If yeah. I have been unclear, I really... That's my goal, right? So I was telling you earlier yeah. that my goal is to make philosophy for everyone. So I have this, like... I've been working on this since high school, actually. So um, I want to make... You know those, like, Dover editions? They're, like, they're really, like... A bunch yeah. of cheat sheets for, like, mm-hmm. all of the classic tests. But they're basically cheat sheets for, like, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, mm-hmm. the Oedipus Rex, all that. So, like, I want to make, like, a Dover edition of, like, major philosophical texts. Because as good as Spark- Sparknotes is, like... I, as an academic, cannot take it seriously. Yeah. Um, neither can Wikipedia, yeah. right? And so, though there is a really good spark note, it's about this guy who, like, blogs his way through Twilight. <laughs> Love it. So good. Uh, but, you know, that's different. Okay. Um, <laughs> so funny. Um, but, yeah, so, like, that has been one of the things that I've been trying to do is, like, you just have to, like, be able to boil down. I want to be able to boil down these texts and say, okay, so here is Plato's Republic. Right, so there's like twelve chapters, and each chapter is a different part of the Republic, and is this very, you know, like intricate political idea about how everything should go, you know, and right. how these caste system is going to work based on like your head, your mind, and your or your head, your spirit, and then your like appetites, and so 
in in a broad sense, like that doesn't matter. Like there's yeah. a lot of philosophy that's like eh, who cares? Like who cares about this? Yeah. But um, and then so that's like first level. But then like second level, um, what informed the reason why these philosophers are writing? I think is their values, their schema, their worldview, mm-hmm. which is something that we can take away. So that's like what I've been trying to do over these past couple years is just boil down the text that I find interesting, so that way other people can have access to it because like. Honestly, like, I understand and acknowledge that not everyone wants to sit down and read a book that's, you know, 400 pages long. Some days, I don't even want to sit down and read a book that's 400 pages long, but I'm a philosopher, so I can do that. But then, I like to think that I could try and make it relevant. Well, I think people do still have those thoughts. They've just never even, like, had access to reading them. Yes. Or, like, being able to take, yeah, transfer it into their own lives, and if they did have something, like, small... It would that be would something be that would be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's, There's so many people that would, they, I think everyone has these, like, talks around a campfire. They're like, yeah. what does this mean? And if they had, like, some ground base to base it off of, mm-hmm. their statements or, like, would gain higher credibility just within themselves. Yeah. So, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I think that's one of, like, the biggest tools that we humans have is conversation. Right? Yes. Because if you want to be accurate, if you want to connect, you have to be able to communicate in a very direct manner. And in order to be direct, you need to know what you think about the world. You need to be read. Exactly. You need to be well read. Because at this point, you can't really, I feel like we're at a day and age where so many people can throw around a lot of ideas. Mm. And it's like, you can't do that if it's your opinion. At your opinion, I feel like someone can tear you apart immediately if you you aren't well read. But if you have everything to back up, especially like value-based opinion, Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, I think that'd be extremely helpful. Yeah, As a, at least yeah. you have a schema to reference and say, well, you know, I can understand yeah. how you got to this point, and I'm going to say I would make a different decision at this, so instead of turning to the right, I would turn to the left, and then this is where I'm going to end up, which is why I am who I am. Yeah. And I think that type of, like, recognition, that type of acknowledgement of the difference between people is very, very um, important, right? It is. It's 2017. We definitely need to be able to acknowledge the difference between people in a like respectful and like kind of self analysis will help you be able to identify where you are and then also kind of try and acknowledge where other people are as well. And I yeah. think that's very useful because I mean, like you were there when, you know, like miscommunications happen very, very easily, right? So we were sitting there and talking, you know, all of these questions are thrown around and it's like, well, you know, you can have, you can, you can validate someone's question, but then you can also question their line of questioning. Yep. Right, because it's like your perspective is something that is very different than the perspective of what you're asking about, and and you can't compare those two things because these words mean different things in different parts of wherever we are. Right, where you like no matter what you come from a lived experience and they come from a lived experience, exactly. but you absolutely cannot break down those unless yeah. you're willing to have the conversation. Exactly. Yeah, and I right. think that is where so many people go wrong is they don't understand their own bias enough. Like, yes. we come into things being like, I know this, this, and this about yes. the world, but how many times we've never lived that? Exactly. And if you haven't lived it fully, then you're not going to be able to take no. it into any context yeah. unless you're willing to have the conversation. Absolutely. And the conversation has to come from a point like, tell me A through Z, yeah. and then I'll be able to put my weight exactly. or like weigh in on this conversation yeah. because otherwise you're not going to change my opinion. And right. I think that's the big problem. Everyone comes right. in with like two faces, yes. their walls. It's not, they're, nothing is going to change. Yeah. They're yeah. very dogmatic about this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Right? Which yeah. not to draw this back to Santayana, but he does talk about this. So he has a book called Skepticism and Animal Faith. And so that's where the idea of animal faith comes in. And so he identifies the problem with the modern world quote back in the forties and the fifties was, was that, um, everyone was so dogmatic about everything was mm-hmm. that nothing was happening, which if you can, Think about the problem of dogma now still being a problem in 2017. I really don't know how bad it was back in the 50s. 
Um, but anyway, so, or the, the 40s, I can't remember when he wrote, I'm sorry. It was probably even earlier than that. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> yeah, actually it was earlier because he, he published in the 20s and the 30s. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, the idea of dogma, so he says to combat that, you need to become a skeptic. So you need to doubt everything. But then he's like, well, if, you're, if you doubt everything, you'll never get anything accomplished. So then he has this idea of a wayward skeptic who is someone that's just reasonably skeptical about things. Like you're skeptical to a point where it's useful for you, right. where you don't take things face value. You don't just automatically take in what everyone is feeding you. You have to be, for lack of a better term, a critical consumer of the information and the relationships that you are choosing to be involved in. And so with that, that's how he develops his bigger philosophy, the realms of being, because at, when you are a skeptic, so when you doubt the system, then you are able to like build onto it in your own way and be more authentic in the way that you try to interact with it. And so that's why he broke it down into four. So it was matter, essence, um, spirit, and psyche. And so like he built, or no, sorry. I'm going to start this over. It was matter, spirit, essence, and, and being. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just being. So matter, essence, spirit, and being. So these are the four realms of being, right? And so he has to break it down into those four so that way he can try to account for all of the different boxes that humans fill. And right. so within those four realms, there's obviously many different things that you can do. And so he was very much a naturalistic philosopher. And so he wanted to say that, like, you are who you are by nature. And, like, part of your path is trying to figure out what that is, right? Which there's a narrative now... A days it's like very common and it's very new and it's very revolutionary is the idea that like for the first time probably ever like you are the one in charge of your own narrative mm -hmm. right and you have the power to change it in the way that you want which is why social media is so good but then also so bad at the same time is because what is my narrative like can it change daily like all of these yeah. different questions come in because you have these realms of being that overlap with each other Right? And so they interact with each other, but then they're also, like, very, very different. So, like, my mind, my spirit, my body, like, who I am at, in, at work, who I am at home, who I am at, at, with my family, at a party, all of these different boxes that you have to fill, like, they're going to interact with each other. And then at the bottom of it, you have to, like, condense all of these things down and figure out, like, who am I actually? Oh, yeah. It's also different. There's so many worlds you're living in. And I exactly. Think yeah. What we buy into the most and yeah. what we sell the most. Yeah. At all, yeah. yeah. Which is what, which is what is like another good thing about living in New York. I think is because like this is one of the most consumer capitals of the world, right? Like you yeah. can walk down the street literally like a thirty minute subway right away is like Fifth Avenue in. Wait, yeah. is that where all the shops are? Is I think it? Fifth or Seventh. I have I don't no know. We're the same. So yeah, my Finsta is actually like a cool Instagram. So I have it switched. My real Instagram is like my nerdy stuff, and then my fake Instagram is all the cool things I do. So anyway, that's how much I know about the world. Anyway, wherever all those shops are, right, yeah. you literally can walk down there and it's like, yeah, that's like $5,000 for uh, a ring. Like, yeah. uh, like mm, or more, probably more than that. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't, I, I can't understand that. Like, you know, okay. that type of reference is not something that I value. I don't have that schema, but I definitely now, after living here for almost three years, like I understand how that schema can be so pervasive. And I do worry that like this type of schema is, Mm, it's just like kind of permeating all aspects of everyone's life, you know? And, and nobody yeah. makes decisions based on what they actually want to do. They only make decisions based on what it will look like to other people. Well, I think that's like the hardest problem I have with it is everyone knows that we're all selling something about ourselves. Yes. Yet how, like, what we're unwilling to like 
think that that person has a bad life anywhere else. Like, you comment someone based on their social media, or you, like, mm-hmm. think about them solely based on, like, what you've seen online, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, they're this. Yes. And you say that they're this. Even though you know that your social media also paints a picture. Yes. But you know that you have something much deeper. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes a thing. It's like, everyone is perfect. Everyone else is perfect. These right. things are all happening. No one knows anything more than that. Yet you do know it exists. Yes. So why do you let it dictate your thought process? And that right. I think that's what bugs me the most. Is yeah. like, yeah, people sell it. It's out there. Yeah. But it should not be what you think about everybody because everyone does get up really tired at five in the morning. Or some people. Yeah. And do X, Y, and Z before they go to work. And everyone only posts pictures when they go on vacation or yeah. old pictures that are good ones. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I can't, I'll never forget the day. So there was a girl on Instagram who I kind of knew, kind of didn't know, mildly annoyed by her, even more annoyed after the story. So her Instagram bio was beautiful things don't ask for attention. Right. Mm. And I thought it was very, it's a great quote. Like, I love it. I think it's very, very, you know, inspirational and it's very profound in a way. Um, because some of the most beautiful things are the most mundane things that you, you know, find like, you know, truce. I had a fa- I had a, a photo album once that was called Truths I Find to Be Self Evident, right? So it was a play off of all yeah. of the you know documents, but it was also like I, all I did was post pictures of like a leaf or a pretty shoe or you know a bench with snow. Like it was just things that were beautiful, but like simplistic. Exactly. Um, but anyway, the reason why this Instagram caption bothered me so much was because I didn't know her very well, but I could guess why she chose that to be her Instagram caption right her her bio was because she was trying to say i am beautiful and i'm not asking for attention but by putting that as her bio she was asking for attention absolutely right so it's that same as that alexander pope quote like pretty eyes in vain their heads may roll but at the end of the day um like beauty wins the sight but merit wins the soul yep and it's like i love that quote but like i only want to put it when i'm putting a selfie online right which like that completely you know, like, defeats the purpose it's of this the, entire quote. Yes, irony. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so it's like, I, I one time I did post it in irony, and it was really funny, because nobody got it, but then at the other end of the day, it's like, I don't actually think that people know what they're doing. Like, I really do think that they are being, they are thinking that they are authentically humble when they put these things online, and it's yeah. like, oh, no, like, I know me. Like, no, that's not, that can't be true for everyone. Yeah. No, you absolutely. Know? You know what no, I mean? It's making me think of, like, a million different things. Oh, like, yeah. I was, uh, this is probably bad, and it obviously buys into my stereotype of what I thought of, uh, of, uh, not fraternities, but sorority girls at my my time in college, but I dressed up as a sorority girl for Halloween Oh my gosh. Because I was like, this is a hilarious joke. This is everything that, like, I think is funny. Yeah. And then everyone was like, why do you just look hot tonight? And I was like, (laughs) it's a joke. It's a joke. Like, not me right. and that obviously like there are tons of wonderful sorority girls right. and that's just like the stigma that I had had yeah it was like no oh um, that's funny I yeah. like that yeah no that it, that's it, like it actually is a costume though but yeah, yeah that's so true yeah. maybe Halloween actually brings that out the most though yeah but, yeah that's a whole nother conversation yeah like, lot. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, much could... to go on there I got a lot of ideas about that too because another book that I want to write like I was talking is like feminism reimagined right because yeah. I think there are a lot of times, like nowadays, especially, like there's a lot of women that are very, very strong, very independent, that have, 
you know, very like set ideas about what they want out of life and what they're going to demand from other people. But I think that a lot of times you're stifled at every turn because of certain things that are set into place that are not necessarily true for everyone. Right. And it's like, so I was talking to somebody about like the Disney princess films. Right. So, and also mm-hmm. I was thinking about this, like when I buy stickers for the kids, like, do I only buy princess stickers for the girls and Ninja Turtle stickers for the boys? Like, I only bought Ninja Turtle stickers because my favorite movie is Ninja Turtles. Like, I didn't buy them because they're boy stickers. And, it, and, you know, and it's like the most, like, boyish boy in my class was like, Frozen stickers? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, great. I'm glad that you can just love things based on them, you know? But, like, I was thinking about that the other day because it's like, I think there's a lot of things, like, so some people, one of my friends was saying, like, when she has kids, she doesn't want to show her daughters the princess movies from Disney because it's, like, teaching them that women have to be, you know, like, submissive and, like, you're only good if you have a man because they all end up married and everything like that, you know? And then I was thinking, like, I think Disney is doing a very good job about, like, actually making storylines now that are yeah, not just Yeah, it's a lot that, different. It's, you know? Yeah. But then I also think at the same time, it's like, I watched all those movies growing up and, and like, I don't have any of those ideas. Like, so yeah. then I wonder, like what reference do these like because i know that's not just my friend i know a lot of the majority of the population actually thinks this they do think it's this sort of like set idea and i just wonder like what type of narrative is going on around these movies that i completely missed well i think it was like yeah it's historical and it worked in those times but i think a lot of education even though so much education happens Mm -hmm. when you're young and i think Mm -hmm. societal construction does happen then right we were both lucky enough to go to college and so many of my ideas like I grew up in a very, even though my town was very liberal, I grew up in a very conservative household. Mm-hmm. My college years totally changed. I, I became a very liberal right. woman through college. Right. But, so I think a lot of it is like, yeah, you can grow it up with right. those things. I don't think that they're like stamped into your... Your psyche. No, no, I don't think so. I think a lot of it is like, it comes from absolutely everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which as I- long as you have like powerful women in your life, like yes. both, like you had a mother that was like... I, I don't know her. No, but no, how, no. Yeah. You, maybe you have very powerful women that Absolutely. are able to show you that, like, you can be all of these things yes. and this. You can also be a mother and strong. You can be yeah. this and strong. You can do all of these things, and there's it doesn't need to be just a single-minded narrative anymore. 100%. You can agree. watch movies. You don't need to buy them fully. Right. You also have to look at through through the lens. Like, they yeah. were made. Snow White was made in the 1920s. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can watch Snow White and be like, hell, that, that happened. Yeah. But you also know Kids watch it. They know what a fiction movie is. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. No, and you're, yeah. you are spot on with my mother and my grandmother. They were very strong, independent women. And I always have to remind, remind myself daily. is like if they could be – so my grandmother was an experimental chemist. Um, and so another project that I'm working on actually is I'm writing my grandfather's memoirs. So they're almost very that. finished. Um, so I have only one more chapter left. Um, so it's about his like family life. Um, mm-hmm. so I've written the first chapter about his growing up years cause he grew up in Yonkers. Yeah. Um, and he went to Fordham. So like my family was cool. originally from New York. Okay. Um, so very excited or half my family's from New York. The other half is from Nebraska. Um, but anyway, he married my grandmother who was an Irish woman from yeah. Queens um, her, she went to finishing school. She was very proper. She was everything that a 1940s, 50s woman should be, right? Um, but it turns out that when they were both in undergrad, she was my grandfather's boss. So she was honestly in charge of him for two years. Yeah. And he asked her out every day for the entire summer that they I met. And she that. always said no. Um, yeah. And so the first time that she said yes to him was when she was going on a double date. 
Um, and so he called her up on Wednesday and said, hey, you want to go out this weekend? And she says, oh, no, sorry, I already have a date. But if you would like to double, then fine, come with us. Um, and so my grandfather was like, not going to turn this down. So he found someone to go out with. And then my grandmother was always, always certain that he actually didn't have a date and that he just found someone to go out with so that way he could dance with her. Obviously, that is true because he told the story and that is how he told it. Um, and so, <laughs> so great. Yeah. And so like through all this talking, like my grandmother had six kids. Um, and so my, my mother was the youngest. And so my mother was an architect at first, but then she became an engineer whenever the architecture program closed. Um, and so she raised four daughters as well. And so all of us are very strong, independent women. And so I was talking to my grandfather about this and I was like, what is it about my grandmother that like really like told you that she was the one you know and uh among other things he was like he, well i knew that she would be strong like if i wasn't going to be there because his father died when he was nine so he needed to know that he was going to have a wife that would be able to carry on the the like his family like it was and so i lay that completely at the feet of my great-grandmother francis veranda um Gidoni, because she was a single mom back whenever women didn't just go it alone so she put two sons both of her sons through medical school um all by herself she never got remarried she never moved home she owned her own business she was a seamstress like she did all of that from the bottom up by herself her husband died when she was 35 um and it it was just her um and so like i do realize like how lucky i am and how lucky we are yeah. to come from these types of narratives is because like the world needs even more strong women but it needs even more strong men who know how to love and raise them yeah. right it's like we need someone who can respect what we can do without having this type of like you know back and forth that people have like there needs to be this respect of individuality and i think that um like hearing my grandfather talk about my mother or my grandmother and my mother right but um like the way that he raised them or his daughters he has four dollars four daughters and two sons was that like just this kind of like gonna name it right so like all of my aunts and uncles are um they are doctors right so my aunt is like she was um a pediatric um, geneticist so she worked on like um down syndrome kids so she was like one of six people in the world that worked on this wow. specific type of like she, cell yeah. um and so like that was her research and my other aunt's a pediatrician my uncle's a dermatologist another one is like a neurosurgeon so it's like there's a lot of them that are going different ways and so like i think that um it was my grandparents, my great grandparents that started that actually. But, um, yeah. And so I, you know, it just carries down and it's this type of thing that's always been matter of fact to me. Like, and, and I realized like now coming to New York and talking to so many different type, kinds of people and people from all walks of life, I realized that it's, it's not as matter of fact as I thought. Like, it's not just, I'm going to be me and I'm going to do what I want because this is what I want. And I know that I can be successful. It's, there's this, all of these different paths you have to navigate, you know, and, and it's just very, very, it, it, the waters have been muddied and I don't understand how it got there because the way that I was raised, it was uh, not a meritocracy, but basically like if you have the skills to do it, then you will be able to be successful. If you don't have the skills to do it, then you either need to give up on that goal and do something that you are set up to do, or you need to practice until you can get good at whatever it is you want to do. I think you that's what, what I mean? we've kind of lost touch with a lot. Yeah. A lot of times it is like, oh, if it doesn't come easy to you, you just stop doing it. Yeah. And I think those are like kind of, who knows what it ever means when we're getting back to what America mm. means. Yeah. But... I do think that a lot of what is, I guess, American to me is like, yeah, you work as hard as you possibly can, yeah. and it is your work ethic at yeah. the end of the day, and I think it's really sad that we've seen, we've talked about it with entitlement in college and stuff earlier, but like, that's, that is what it is to me. I think you work as hard as you can at any given thing that you're given to, and I think no matter what, it comes from mothers, fathers, 
everyone around you to impact you to instill those values and it all comes back down to values and having yeah who knows the feminist talk like it doesn't have to be here right now but at the end of the day I think it doesn't just come from like women it does come from like men being able to weigh in on the importance of just like we raise we raise generations of equality we're not raising anything pitted against each other we're raising good people Rather yes. than this, and that comes with a lot of different things. Right. Yes. No, I mean, it's yeah. a fascinating yeah. conversation, yeah. you know, and, it, and it, it makes me happy to see that there are conversations, there are people who are willing to do the work, right? Like this entire project that you're doing is willing to do the work, right? You are trying yeah. to start this conversation, and I really appreciate that as a philosopher, as an educator, as a person, you know, all parts of me are like totally on board with this. Like, I do think that it, it needs to become more of a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Do you have anything you want to like finish on? Tell the audience like um, your takeaway your stamp stamp this oh. for me <laughs> okay uh let's see so my stamp my stamp about philosophy or my stamp about I, I guess just life. everything we talked about a lot of stuff so right so I guess if I could say one thing to everyone yeah. is is like just the power of positive thinking right is like if you wake up every morning and you tell yourself exactly what you want to do and you say it over and over and over and over again one day it will become true because you make it true you set your mind to something and it absolutely will happen one day it may not happen exactly as you say it in your mind but it will happen in a way that is going to be better for you because there's uh there's a part of you that needs to take control of your life and then you need to know when to let go and let the universe take over right and so you need to be able to be strong enough brave enough to put it out there and then see what comes back it's like a boomerang right you throw it out knowing that it's going to go and it may not come back but then one day it's going to come circling back to you because it i think time is a circle it is a loop everything you put out will come back in one way or another which is why being positive all the time and like trying to share that with everyone, right? Sharing that energy, seeing that energy is going to be so critical because that's what's going to come back to you and, you know, it's going to manifest itself in your life on the way down. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you again for tuning in to listen to Veronica Miller today. We enjoyed talking with her about philosophy and diving deeper into questions that need to be continually asked and answered. We learn through exploring and trying out new ways of solving old questions, and hopefully your interest was piqued. To read her abstract published article, visit our website directly. If you're interested in talking with us, send us an email at dosageofrepartee at gmail.com or reach out to us on our website at www.sub-stances.com or using our Facebook and Instagram. We hope you enjoyed the episode.